it'd be kind of cool if, if we could see some of what drove Peter. What made that big fisherman's heart beat so passionately for God? What was going on inside? We know it was the Holy Spirit, but we also know that Peter later wrote two letters in our New Testament. We know them as First and Second Peter. So we don't have to totally guess what Peter was thinking in the Holy Spirit. We actually get to read about eight chapters worth of what drove him. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. But to set the stage, I want to ask you guys, how many of you guys have a lawn that you have an ongoing year-after-year battle with to get it to look like that? I do. I do. A few other hands went up. We, we moved into our house 10 years ago, planted our lawn seven years ago, and every year there's a battle. And you know who the primary battle is with? These guys. Dandelions. Evan calls them flowers. I call them a direct result of the curse because Adam and Eve sinned. I may be reading into that. The Bible says thorns and thistles. I, I think their dandelions were included in that. I could be wrong. But it's a, a year-in, year-out battle to get rid of the weeds and get that grass being healthy. In, in the first few years of that battle, this knockdown, drag-out battle with my lawn, it was a losing effort. And, and I'd, I'd, I'd go out there with the ortho max and spray the weeds Every time I saw one pop up, and another one would pop up, and another ten would pop up, because you know these beauties have the lovely white flowers, that little seeds that blow everywhere. And it was a never-ending battle. Brown spots, weeds continued, no matter how much I tried to kill those dandelions. And, and the truth is, if all you do with a lawn is focus on killing the weeds, you know what you end up with? Next slide, please. <laughs> If you, all you focus on is killing the weeds and not taking care of the grass, you end up with dead grass and the weeds keep going anyways. No, none of these are my yard. Not the best one, not the worst one, not the middle one. It was about two years ago, a revolution in my battle with my lawn started. And it started with Ken Lane from Waters Nursery in Prescott, a man who knows his climate, knows his plants. And I read an article from him that basically said this. Next slide. Don't just kill the weeds. Feed the grass. And the basic point of the, the article was the best thing you can do to prevent weeds is to get your grass as healthy and thick as possible to not leave room for those weeds to pop up in the first place. And he talked about some specific fertilizers and some soil activators and I started putting those on once a month during the growing season. And lo and behold, while the battle with the weeds is not totally done, I am winning. There are fewer and my grass is green and thick now because I'm not just focused on killing the weeds. I'm feeding the grass. You say, why are you talking about your grass? <laughs> well, as I thought about that this week, because just last month we started the process of fertilizing and and putting that soil activator on. This principle works with your grass, but it also is true in our spiritual lives. And let me explain that before we go on, and then we'll look at what Peter has to say about this. Don't just kill the weeds. You think about the weeds in your spiritual life, right? 
the sins, and I don't know what they are for you, whatever that sin is that seems to, to get you more than another sin, the one that grabs your focus and, and calls you back, maybe it's jealousy. Maybe you're jealous of someone and you can't get it out of your mind. Maybe it's anger, bitter anger at somebody that wronged you. Maybe it's gossip, like you just can't stop talking about other people in a way that tears them down. Or maybe it's pornography, and I could go on. What, what are the weeds, the sins in your spiritual life that are, that are ruining the lawn that is your spiritual life? And I think sometimes what we do is what I did for the first few years with my lawn. We focus on killing those weeds. We go out, I got to get rid of this. I got to stop doing this. I got to stop thinking that. I've got to stop saying that. And it begins to consume us. And what happens is we get so focused on those things that we forget to nurture our relationship with God. We become like Paul in Romans 7 where he said, hey, when I first read Don't Covet, I wanted to covet all the, all the more. Because when we know something's wrong and we think don't do that, and I know that's wrong, there's something in our, our flesh that just wants to do it even more because we're focused on it. And what I want to say tonight, and I want to show you how Peter does this many times in his book. He's going to tell us, even in our spiritual lives, don't just kill the weeds, but feed the grass in our spiritual lives. Nurture that relationship with God. And I'll show you a number of passages where he said this. Just to set the stage, though, I want to show you a quote that we've mentioned before. The top's going to represent killing the weeds. And absolutely, there are weeds that need killed in our lives. I'm not saying we don't do that, but we also need to feed the grass. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said it this way. Being a Christian is less about cautiously avoiding sin than about courageously and actively doing God's will. And as we mentioned before, I think for some of us, if we be honest, we'll admit that our Christian life is primarily made up of what we don't do. I don't do this, I don't do that, I got to focus on stopping that. And, and we fail to go on to the new frontiers that God wants to bring us to, to live out His will, to make disciples, go into the world and on and on, the things that He wants us to do. And I want to show you from Peter a couple passages where he walks us through this, and we'll explain them. 1 Peter 1, 14 and 15, and these are just chosen. They're in no particular order from his book. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. All right, there, there's some weeds there, right? The evil desires that, that drove us before we came to Jesus. Those are some weeds. He says, don't, com, don't conform to those. There's some weeds that need dealt with, but he doesn't stop there. He goes on to say, Feed the grass. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. And you see who he's trying to set our eyes on there? He's, he turned our eyes from our evil desires to who? To God himself. That's the one who is holy. Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. I want to show you one more. In 1 Peter 2.9, he talks about God who called us out of darkness... Darkness is the, the weeds, the sin in our lives. He called us out of that into his wonderful light. Again, he's turning our eyes from the darkness to the wonderful light of God. And you're starting to get the idea that Peter wants us to find our identity in God. He wants us to find who we are in God. And I think what we do sometimes 
is we focus so much on the sin in our lives, even in an attempt to get rid of it, that when we lock our eyes on it so much, we open the door for Satan to begin lying to us. Because when sin is all you think about, when the ways you fail is all you think about, what Satan starts to do is say, that's what defines you. That's who you are. You are a jealous, bitter person. You are a pornography addict. You are a drunkard. And I could go on and on. When we focus on those sins, he wants us to find our identity in those sins. And Peter's saying, if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior, that sin is not who you are. Your identity is wrapped up in who God is. And God is holy. God is set apart from the world. And the Holy Spirit... God lives in you. So now you are set apart. God is light. There is light in your life because God lives in you. And he wants us to focus on that. I've seen how this focus on sin can ruin relationships, human relationships, and relationships with God. I knew a couple a long time ago. This couple had been together for a stretch. And the, the man and the couple had begun to look at pornography. And as he looked at pornography, he found that it affected even the way he walked down the street. He could, could not look at a lady without his mind going places that God says, don't go. Don't lust after a woman in your heart. And it, and it began to consume him. And he wanted to be honest with his girlfriend. And he told her. He said, this is something I'm struggling with. And they, they prayed through it. And he began to experience some victory. And that's good. I think it's good that he told her. I think it's good that they prayed through it and that he began to experience some victory. But then what happened was the enemy started to use it. And even though he was experiencing victory over it, he started to feel guilt every time he felt a temptation in that direction. Every time a thought crossed his mind, the enemy came to him and tried to get him to go down that path. The guilt kicked in and he started to condemn himself. Now, let me ask you, is it, is it wrong to be tempted? No. Jesus himself was tempted when he was here. And Jesus did not sin. So obviously temptation is not a sin. But the enemy was taking his focus on his past sins and using the current temptation to make him condemn himself. And quickly, that became the focus of their relationship. That's all they talked about was his temptation there. And you can imagine how fun a relationship like that is, where every time you get together, you talk about your weakness and your temptation. And when he told me that, you know what I told him? Just, just from a practical relationship standpoint, I said, you guys are missing out on so much of the good stuff that you do have in your relationship. Remember all the fun you guys used to have? Remember all the conversations about God and, and serving Him together and, and loving Him that you guys used to share? Remember how you used to pray together? Now the enemy has, has allowed this focus on this past sin to basically destroy any meaningful intimacy you guys had. You can see how it worked in that relationship. Maybe you know it in your own life if, if the enemy has tricked you into a focus on a sin. And Peter's saying, don't focus on the darkness. Don't focus on the evil desires. Focus on a holy God. Focus on his wonderful light. Turn your eyes away from that. He goes, another passage where he shows us both. First Peter 2, 1 and 2. Here's the getting rid of the weeds. Rid yourselves of all malice. That's, that's a hostile anger towards someone. Anybody got some of that tonight? Any hostile anger 
towards anybody in your life and all deceit, hypocrisy, this, this attempt to make yourself look better than you really are. Envy. Anybody looking around at their neighbor or, or family members saying, man, I wish I had what they had. Until I have it, I'm not going to be happy. Slander of every kind. Anybody involved this week in tearing somebody else down to make yourself look better? He says, get rid of those. In all those, if you notice, those are ways of thinking, right? They all start in your mind. Malice, the anger starts here. Deceit, that starts here when I figure out how I can fool people. Hypocrisy, envy, slander, they're they're all ways of thinking. He says, stop thinking like that. But then he goes on to talk about feeding the grass. Like newborn babies crave spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. You guys know where you get spiritual milk and spiritual meat? Thank you, yes. (laughs) I was scared there for a minute. (laughs) Maybe we haven't been doing our job here. (laughs) Yes, the Bible. God wrote a book and it's really good. (laughs) It says it's alive and active and it equips us for every good work. And so what Peter is saying is it's not enough to sit and say, I don't want to slander today. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to fool people. I don't want to be envious. He's like, you can't just stop doing those things and leave it empty. Because even when it came to demons, you remember what Jesus said? If a demon-possessed person has that demon cast out and then he's left empty, seven more demons will come in and take over. We're not talking about demons here, but the same idea. If all you do is try your best to get rid of the bad stuff and you leave yourself empty... You're, you're asking for something else, maybe even worse, to fill the void. You need to fill that void with the truth of God's word. We not only need to get rid of the weeds of bad thinking, we need to fill our minds daily with the living word of God. And I wonder if we're a church that's doing that. I wonder if we're a church that's doing that. I hope we are. My, my favorite picture of this, for, for, for those who only open their Bible on the weekend is like, could you imagine like somebody showing up at Denny's on, on Saturday night or, or Sunday morning and say, holy cow, I'm, I'm starving. I'm starving. And the waiter gets there and says, why are you so hungry? He's like, well, last time I ate was when I was here last Sunday. Remember that, uh, that meal I ordered from me last Sunday? That's the last time I ate. What's he going to say to you? You're not just supposed to eat once a week, dude. Like, that's a daily thing. And that's why God calls his word our daily bread. We need to be people that are regularly filling our minds, feeding the grass with the truth of God's word. Let's go on to another one. 2 Peter 1, 4 through 8. He, God, has given us his very great and precious promises. And we could preach a whole year of series on the promises of God in his Bible. They're great and precious. So that through them you may participate in the divine nature. And here's the kill in the weeds. Escape the corruption caused by evil desires. God wants us to escape the corruption that comes from the evil desires within us. But he goes on. For this very reason, because God's given us these promises, here's the feed in the grass. Make every effort to add to your faith goodness. Goodness is moral excellency. It's, It's that thing in us... From God, that the Holy Spirit that causes us to take the high road when other people are taking the low road. 
to not cut that corner when other people are cutting that corner. Knowledge, and this, this one we're going to come back to because it's important. This is not talking about head knowledge. This is a Greek word, gnosis, that is speaking of personal, intimate, relational knowledge of God and who he is. Personal relationship with him. Self-control, control in your passions. Perseverance, that, that literally means to stay under something. We need that don't we? Sometimes we are underneath circumstances that are in our lives that are difficult. And God says, you need to have the ability through the Holy Spirit to stay under that and keep believing in me and keep trusting in me, even when that's over top of you. Godliness, that's a a reverence for God. Do we have a a reverence for God? Brotherly kindness, simply caring for each other. When we know there's a need in the body, are we caring for it? And love, And you guys all know the word agape, seeking the highest good of another, even when it costs me everything. He says, add all these things. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective. He doesn't just say get rid of the corruption caused by the evil desires. He says, make every effort to add these things to your faith. Faith is the grounding. It's where it starts. But he says, make every effort. Now, I think we need to balance the make every effort with what it says in the top verse there. We participate in what? What do we participate in? Did you read that? The divine nature. Now, we don't want to go crazy with that and say that that means you and I are God. But what it does mean is that God lives in us in the Holy Spirit. When we become a new creation, God comes to give us a new nature. And it's his kind of nature. Isn't that awesome? So yes, we need to make an effort. He, said, he doesn't say just lay down and imagine that the Holy Spirit's going to get you out of bed every day and control you like a puppet. We, we have to make choices. I, I liken it to like the satellite up in, up in space that sends down my dish signal. It, it comes out regardless of what I do. That's like the Holy Spirit. But man, when they put my dish on my house, they had to make sure it was pointing the right way to receive that. We have to make the effort to point our lives in such a way that we're receiving what the Holy Spirit has to give us through prayer, through the word, through listening to him. But we need to add these things. We need, we need to feed the grass. And, and you'll notice even when it comes to the Holy Spirit, goodness, self-control, love. You remember another list in the New Testament? Galatians 5, what were those described as? Fruits of the Spirit, things that he brings in our lives. So Let's go to the next one. 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12. Killing the weeds. Dear friends, I urge you as aliens and strangers in the world to abstain from sinful desires which war against your soul. This is important. What, what Peter's telling us here is those evil things that we're tempted to, God doesn't tell us not to because he's trying to rob us of some sort of meaning in our lives. What's Peter say those things do? They war against our souls. The very things we think will bring us what we want will shred us on the inside. They'll leave us empty, hollow, and dried. He says, don't go there. Abstain from those things. Kill those weeds. Be against those things. And I think there are things in this world, I know there are things, if you believe the Bible, that you, you, we have to stand against. Okay? 
We can never get to the point where we're not against anything if we believe the Bible because there are sins that the Bible is clearly against. We must be against things. But I think too many Christians are only known for what they're against, not what they're for. That's not how Jesus lived. That's why Peter goes on. Here's how we feed the grass. We're against these things. We abstain from these things. But we live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. That's the feeding the grass, the, the good deeds that we do for each other in the world. That's what this day of service is all about. We want the world to see that the church is not only against this and 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 this, but we're out there in the power of the Spirit doing good, showing love to each other and to those in the world that need it. Amen? Do you guys agree that we should not only be known for what we're against, but what we're for? All right, let's go on. 1 Peter 4, 2. And here he gets to his motivation for for living the way he lived. And we're going to wrap with this passage and one more. But I just want to say, you know, we know Peter wrestled with sin in his own life, right? We know he wrestled with fear of being identified with Jesus. He denied him. He denied that he knew him because he was afraid of being associated with him. You know, he, he actually rebuked Jesus one time in his life. He, Jesus said, I'm going to go to the cross and die and rise again. And Peter said, no, you're not. And you remember Jesus looked not at him, but through him. He said, get behind me, Satan. He wasn't calling Peter Satan. He was acknowledging that Satan had used Peter to try to tempt Jesus away from the path that he was going down. So Peter had his own sins in his life. Can you imagine rebuking Jesus? denying him, but we also see him in the book of Acts feeding the grass. Once the Holy Spirit came into his life saying, yes, Jesus, that same boldness that caused him to rebuke Jesus, God redeemed it. And Peter said, yeah, I'll go wherever you want, Lord. I'll say whatever you want. So he's, we see that here. He comes back to Jesus. Since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. He does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires not for evil human desires those are the weeds but what for the will of God Peter was consumed with the will of God that's why he went to jail in the book of Acts that's why he was eventually crucified upside down because he became consumed with the will of God that's Pastor Saeed that we prayed about a couple weeks ago keep praying since we prayed for him he's received additional beatings and no medical treatment for that internal bleeding How many of you guys think he went back to Iran risking that nine times because of some legalistic, I got to do this, I have to do this? And how many of you believe it's just because he was consumed and is consumed with doing the will of his heavenly father? That's what I believe. People don't risk jail and execution because of a legalistic list. They, They risk that because they want to be united with their father in his will. And I wonder if that's us. Whatever you say, Father, I, I want to be in your will. And last but not least, this is where we want to close as we prepare for communion. Jesus, these are Peter's words, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins. Yes, that's part of it. 
When Jesus died on the cross, he paid for our sins. And when we trust in him, the Holy Spirit comes in and enables us to say no to sin. But saying no to sin is just the beginning. He goes on and says to live for righteousness. And I don't know what your perception of righteousness is. If you see righteousness as something boring or stiff or or sitting in church and not being allowed to move on Sunday morning when you were a kid. But when I think of righteousness, I, I think of what's right with God. And I think of a God who's so creative. You look at our universe, the more they find out about it every day. I just found three more planets this week that blew my mind. And God knew that they were there all this time. He, he thought that up. I think about a God who's passionate and creative and filled with love and exciting. Righteousness is exciting. This passage right after that, it's not on here. Live for righteousness. It goes on to say, by his wounds, we are healed. We're forgiven of our sins. And I, th- I think, think of it like this. We know the, the tragedies that happened in Boston this week. And we know the people that were injured by shrapnel and put in hospitals. And I want you to imagine that one of them was injured by shrapnel. And, and they spent their time in the hospital. And, and they healed up and got to the place where they could walk again. And, and they were able to go, but they said... Eh, I got kind of used to this hospital. I'll just stay here the rest of my life. How many people think anybody would do that? No, more likely they're like, I've got a second shot at life. I could have died now. Now what is it that I, I need to go do with all my heart? Like that country song a few years ago. I go skydiving, Rocky Mountain climbing, ride a bull named Fu Manchu for 2.8 seconds, and I think I just messed it up. Spiritually speaking, I think where I'm getting at is you've been forgiven from your sin, right? You've got a second chance at life. It does not make sense for you to sit there and say, great, I'm just going to wait for Jesus to come back. What makes sense is to say, I am going to go out here in the power of the Spirit and live for righteousness. I'm going to live like I'm dying. That was the point of that song. Live like today is the last day because I do have a second lease on life. And that all starts with Jesus. That was Peter's motivation. That needs to be ours. The Jesus who bore our sins in his body on the tree. As we prepare for communion, as that's about to be passed, I'm going to pray and the worship team is going to come up. Lord, we thank you for Peter. Thank you that we get a glimpse of his heart and his letters. And Father, we pray that you would help us to be Christians that not only kill the weeds, but, but feed the grass in our spiritual lives, Lord. We don't just die to sins, but that we live for righteousness, God. That you would cause us to come back to that personal, close relationship with you through prayer, through your word, through listening to the Spirit. That would cause the lawn of our lives to be so rich, so, so green, so, so full, that there's barely room for a weed to come in. And when they do, Lord, that you'd help us to remove them, God. Please help us to live all out for you. And Jesus, we thank you. You motivated Peter. You're the reason he gave it all. And I pray that that's what we'd come back to tonight, that a Savior died, paid for all our sins, and rose again, victorious in our place. That's what ought to drive us out of here. May that be the case. In Jesus' name, amen.